0: The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast. Join us around the pit as we talk all things barbecue. Now here is your host, Johnny Mags.
1: What's up, everybody? <clears throat> Finally back live. From the yes, Studio 21 behind. Podcast Cafe in Salem, New Hampshire, welcome back to another episode of the Pit Life Barbecue Podcast. Chrissy, how's it going? Hi, good.
0: It's good to be home. I'm back.
1: Yeah. I'm How good. are you doing?
0: Back. I'm good. I'm all right. Everything know? went yeah. As good as it could as better, you good. know, so, yep, everything was lovely. We took care of business and uh, I'm back. I'm home. Hit the ground running. Oh,
1: perfect. Good, That's, good, good. Yeah. What's going on with you? Nothing other than the damn traffic to, to get here today.
0: How was Houston?
1: Houston was incredible.
0: I saw photos.
1: It Houston hasn't accru- I still haven't gone through all the photos. Yeah. You know, because everything we took and Kent took, then we started a group chat oh, with boy. everyone down there. So just right? everyone put their p- pictures in there so everybody can just grab them. And I still haven't gone through, but oh wow. man, to just, you know, to see everybody was great. But to have me, Uncle Steve, Kent, and CJ all at the same place at the same time, yeah there's no words to describe Uh-oh. it. I there's saw the no photo way. of you all together. It warmed
0: my heart. Even all the way in Australia, <laughs> I was still online checking out what you guys were doing. <laughs> ah,
1: nice. There, there's Mama Mags, and there's Dutch, Chapin, what's happening? Chris Ruszynski, what's going on, brother? So. So. Let us – I don't know how the hell I want to do this. All right, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Um, Before we get into the ads, um, if you guys have followed the feeds and, you know, are friends with Uncle Steve, um, you know he had some news happen. Um, Made a post uh, the other day that uh, unfortunately he lost his mother, and um, he's doing well. The girls are being strong, everything, but uh, just please keep Uncle Steve and uh, his family uh, in your thoughts and prayers through this time. Uh, I know they're having a, he posted something the other day, they're having a celebration of life, I want to say, actually, April, April 1st. Yep. At his house and all that. So, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to you, Steve. We love you, brother. Absolutely. We love you. And, uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah. Chrissy, hit it.
0: Oh, wait. I'm doing that? I just got back from Australia. And I just got back from Texas. I know. So- oh, God. Where's my... I didn't know if Come holders. on, rookie. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm just going to do it from... Oh, it's not as good <laughs> as the one that I did. That I had written down. Okay. Hey, Johnny, have you ever wondered why you have a line of people in your backyard or lined up to get into your backyard Mm -hmm. when you're cooking barbecue and your neighbor doesn't
1: that's right because i'm using uncle steve's shake and they're not
0: yes that is right uncle steve's shake Ah, see this is what happens when i go home and then come back again uncle steve's shake (laughs) 12 amazing flavors plus 13 as of today Oh, as of today. Okay, I didn't get that note. That's so right. I, I just got the okay. notification Whoa, of it, too. Oh, what's their team? What's
1: the new Cooking with CJ <gasps> oh, in God. CJ's Q, Yay. the new West Coast Shake is live.
0: Amazing. Went live
1: today on the website. Check it out. A lot of great West Coast flavors, a lot of citrus notes. Yep. Still has that smoky little spice. Incredible, oh, incredible, yes. but yes, it went live this afternoon, he texted me on my, literally on the ride up, awesome. that it was live, so now
0: 13, 13, then we're going to have to change it. that again, <laughs> yeah. now,
1: well, oh. we're going to have to change it again, but there's, there's something else, else, I need to be in these the
0: emails, fellas, what's going on, it's, well. It's, 13 at the moment. So Uncle Steve's shakes are handmade, hand-measured, and hand-mixed, and hand-packed. Uh, they include the competition line and the incredible dessert shake. And don't forget the new... Oh, well, he's not the newest edition anymore. But the sauce with no name, my personal favorite. No matter what you're eating, Uncle Steve has a shake for it and also an amazing sauce. If you have any questions, Uncle Steve has great customer service to help you with all your shake needs. It's him. Uh <laughs> So go to UncleSteveShake.com to order your shakes today. Also, while you're on the website, you're also going to find some amazing uh, tips and recipes for those uh, shakes and sauces. You'll be amazed at just how versatile Uncle Steve's Shake can be. And while you're online, head on over to Facebook and join the Uncle Steve Shake Nation to stay up to date with all the latest creations made using Uncle Steve's Shake and maybe even share some of your own. It's time to step up your backyard barbecue and your competition barbecue game with Uncle Steve's Shake. Shake some on everything. I found my ride up
1: I figured you did. It got real good, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Also brought to you by Two Guys Smoke Shop and TwoGuysCigars.com. Whether I'm barbecuing or not, I always keep the smoke rolling. Thanks to my friends at TwoGuysCigars.com. Today, I am smoking the All Saints Colorado Robusto. It's a little big for a Robusto, but whatever. Okay. It falls under the whatever. (laughs) That's what the label said, anyway. Yeah, we'll, boost, go. <laughs> we'll just go with it. Thanks to my friends at Two com, I get to smoke some of the best cigars in the world, and so can you. Just visit com for your perfect barbecue companion. That's the number two, com. I'm going to
0: let you do MagnaChef, because I can't find one. Also <laughs> brought to
1: you by MagnaChef Gloves and Freedom Gloves. Our brother Alan Fonte knows a little something about fire management being a Miami-Dade firefighter and all, he has designed both designs of these gloves from the ground up. Food-grade silicone, patented magnetic clips, easy on and off, Chef, heat-rated 500 degrees, web fit for a firm grip, one-size-fits-all, and dishwasher safe. Now, if your more traditional five-finger glove is more your style. He's got you covered with the Freedom Line. Once again, food-grade, patented magnetic clips for an easy on-off. Heat-rated 932 degrees. 14-inch gauntlet. Protect your forearms no more. No more tic tac toe marks on the forearms, reaching in there to get those proteins that are tucked in the back. He's got you covered. Check him out at MagnusChef.com, and at checkout use the code Freedom Live for 10% off your order. That is the pre- promo code Freedom Live for 10% off your order. Freedom MagnusChef gloves, master the fire. Freedom gloves, take a stand, free your hands. Also brought to you by Custom Cutting Boards RS.com. Ian Hemming is creating what I consider the Yeti of cutting boards out of Magnolia, Texas. These cutting boards take an absolute beating from your uh, dishwasher board, so your standard countertop board, to the absolutely massive brisket board, 18 by 36 inches. This thing is huge. And he's also got you covered on the pizza side. Oh, yeah. Groove for that perfect slice every time. Deep lip reservoirs catch all that wonderful juice, juicy goodness from whatever proteins you're covering. Patented uh, rubber grips on the bottom of the board. So even on a wet surface, these boards will not slide on you. No accidental cuts mm-hmm. and... Emergency room trips and stitches Because the board slipped We've all been there So check him out At Custom Cutting Boards r-us.com. That is the letter R-Us Nice Matt Pereira, what's up brother Aaron Leslie, Texas Oil Dust What's happening man Max Baez, Matt Max Calling you out Let's see Juke has what's going on, Tim Rogers, Bam Bam is in the house, Ben Graves, Matt and Jenny what's happening, Big Rome, C-Mac, yeah, Sean Hogan, wow, all the boys oh, are I coming really in, nice. nice, nice, nice. So, while I was in Texas, yeah. obviously my Wi-Fi was a little jacked up, but I got an email from this gentleman. Uh-huh. And it piqued my interest right off the bat, not necessarily being barbecue, but that's obviously how this all happened, but local New England-based yep. barbecue company. Let's go. A couple emails back and forth, and we were able to get today, because we had another had to move, Still, still moving this damn schedule around. We'll this has out. been all <laughs> screwed up. But we're getting it done today. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome from Manchester Barbecue Pellets, Scott Licamilli. What's up, brother?
0: Oh, Did, I didn't come mute on. him. Wait, we got no sound. Wait,
2: Sorry, I was muted. Oh, there Doing you go. very well. <laughs> nice <laughs> to meet you, finally. Nice to meet you, and, brother. Uh, doing all right here in uh, Manchester? We're just uh, rocking and rolling.
1: Fantastic. How's the weather down there today? I know it's absolutely gorgeous up here, about 65, not a cloud Funny, in the sky.
2: Finally. Low 60s, yeah, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, spring day, first day of spring, or, well, depending on what, what how you measure it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I,
1: I, I still got my fingers crossed. We know how stuff goes around here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> so going
0: by the end of the week again.
1: Hey, it happens, no it happens. So, Scott, thank you so much, man, For, for first off, for reaching out. And uh, second off, making some time to, uh, to come and uh, talk shop with me. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. So traditionally, my first question is, Scott, tell everybody who you are, what you do, and how your barbecue journey began.
2: Sure. Yeah, so uh, my bro and I, we, we've been involved in uh, actually in renewable energy in the past and that included like biomass like wood stuff like to make energy and heat and things like that so we worked on a number of projects like that and we we came across a property in manchester that were unfortunately the central connecticut farmers cooperative which had been there for like 70 years they went out of business and they had been the largest feed mill in the united or excuse me in new england uh, very big entity with, you know, I think well over a hundred employees for many, many decades. Anyway, so sadly they went bankrupt. There was trouble down at the mill, so to speak. And uh we, uh, we acquired the property and we looked for, you know, the option of, of producing wood pellets as, as a, as a potential use of the property, because we are both very interested uh, individually in barbecue, just at a personal level. So it always kind of piqued our interest. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very focused on like cooking and barbecue and that sort of stuff. So, Basically we we looked at it and we we found that Connecticut was like a really good place to site a pellet mill to make hardwood pellets which as you know obviously is the you can only use hardwood pellets when you're making you know barbecue products. So we we looked at the market and we saw wow the, the pellet grill market is really growing much faster than all the other markets and so we raised some capital from some investors and and some help from from a local bank. And uh, we managed to uh, invest in, develop, and build a state-of-the-art wood pelleting facility right in Manchester, Connecticut, that uses local forestry resources and wood. So we're creating forestry jobs as well you know, by buying their product. Um, and we, we found that the, the types of woods that are available, like predominantly red oak, white oak, hickory, hard maples, provide a really good feedstock for like, a really good blend Part of the process was figuring out how to make and design a pellet mill that was specifically more for flavor than for heating. Because as mm-hmm. you know, I think you probably know there's a wood pellet mill up in Jaffrey, New Hampshire, that makes heating pellets. Yep. And most of the mills that were built in America, I'd say all of them in the 80s, early 80s and beyond, were originally set up for heating. So they're, they're more focused on like energy production. Um, and we, we took a little bit of a different approach. And we're like, we want to make the best pellet mill we can create. In Connecticut, to make to get the best flavor for cooking, you know, hardwood cooking pellets, and that's kind of how we got to where we are today. Awesome, awesome. So,
1: with the pellets, now is there a process in in sourcing you would? I know you said you work with the Forestry Service and everything, but I, with the manufacturing of the pellets, are you looking for a specific I guess I guess a grade
2: of hardwoods. Yeah, no, that's that's a very critical question because, like, one of the two, there's two things that determine whether a barbecue pellet has good flavor or really not much flavor. Which is one of the reasons why a lot of real barbecue teams don't they use stick burners because they want that full smoke, right? So when we choose raw materials, we're we're one of I think two what they call round log mills in the United States. The rest of them all use dry sawdust from milling operations and they're just fine. They're fine for energy. But for us, the the grade of wood is we only use green hardwood chip that we then grind and dry using a very new process, which is behind me in the picture okay. <laughs> to, to create um, to not over dry and to just pulverize the material enough so that we can pelletize it in a way where you don't, um, get rid of a lot of the wood flavors like the terpenes in the wood that get lost when you over dry or over process the wood material, or, or if you start with dry material. So the key issue is it's not so much the grade. It's just like, what are you starting with? So we start with debarked hardwood chips from local forestry groups in Connecticut, uh, which creates some good jobs. And basically they're, they're, they're debarking and then chipping the materials down to like two inch minus size, and then they deliver them to our mill where they're processed within, you know, one week of delivery. So uh-huh. we're starting with really fresh feedstock, and that's really critical.
1: Now, now with, with, the, with using the green wood, at, you know, with everybody, you know, we all know, we, you know, especially with, with the stick burners and, our, you know, the drums and all our wood burning stuff that we, we cook with, it's always seasoned. Yep. You know, seasoned, dry, you know, or some moisture contact, obviously, because you yep. do need smoke. Now, yep. with, with creating them with using green wood, is, how does that work on, you know, the sea, a seasoned process, I suppose? Or sure. is there a almost like a drying process you guys use in the factory? Or if it is with, with the pellets, does that really not matter?
2: Actually, no. It, it's critical, absolutely. So, um, and I think the key difference between like logs that you'd use for like a stick burner, usually they have a moisture content of about twenty percent, maybe eighteen to twenty percent in general. That would be seasoned wood, right? So it's going to give you some smoke, more smoke. Um, the a pellet to be considered like a premium pellet, and and again, I'm I'm kind of wading into like heating. And cooking, because there are certain like physical properties of the pellet that irrespective of how you're using them, they got to have a certain bulk density, a certain durability, a certain moisture content. So it, the moisture content of a wood pellet is usually somewhere between six to eight percent. So it's lower than, than, than log. Now, how we get there is, um, we have a proprietary like new two stage drying system that we use, which is, which is makes us different from any other mill in the country. That's like uh-huh. one of our, our processes that we're actually patent the process of patenting. And um, the the basic idea is you you take the green biomass, it's like two inch minus chip, then it gets grinded in a green grinder. Then it gets passed through a stage one dryer that blows it through like a tubular system we have. Actually, it's not in this picture, but you can see it in the distance from the other side. Okay. And what happens is it it hits the material, it drops the moisture content. The green chips are about 40% coming in moisture content. Stage one drops it to 20, roughly speaking, percent, which is where a log would be, right? But that's that's still too high to create a proper, like a durable pellet, yeah. right? So, so then you got to come lower with the moisture content. Then we have a fluidized dry, bed dryer system um, as our second stage. And that's the trick of our process that – we're able to retain more natural wood flavor in our product because the second stage of the drying where we go from 20% to like say 12%, roughly speaking, before we put it in the pelleting machine, the, the pellet mill itself, okay. um, we're we're using low temperature. And when you do the the final drop down in temperature using a lower temperature, not, not like 800 degrees, but like say 200, you're going to retain more of the flavor so that when you pelletize the wood, It's the flavor is the actual natural wood flavor is much more pronounced than what you would get from like say a mass market brand that's just taking sawdust from a mill. They both work fine. They both burn, but it's just an issue of like what is the best flavor you're getting? Okay, so you
1: don't use any additive. Like you you had just said some of the bigger ones will be sawdust and you know Mm -hmm. remain remnants is of whatever their process is, is all going into the pellets. Mm-hmm. And you guys, yours, Manchester's, are sh- strictly hardwoods. None of right. the, the sawdust. Interesting. So we're, yeah, which is
2: like an extra step for us to from an energy use perspective. So we're okay. it's a more costly process to make it. But okay, yeah. So
1: Now, you know, obviously there's – We've all heard of, you know, oh the, the it's a good batch pellets or a bad batch. How can you tell the difference between a good pellet and a bad pellet?
2: Sure. Well, I, there are a couple of things. No, number one is you need to really know where the – like what raw material is being used. Like I was saying, we we specifically use the green chip, so that's critical. You want to make sure you use, you're buying pellets from a mill. I mean, obviously in our opinion that – not to talk up my own story here, but, but basically we're feeling that you get – better flavor when you start with a green chip. That's number one. And then number two, you don't want to mix filler woods that sometimes are used for heating pellets in bar- as a barbecue product. And, the, and a perfect example is you don't barbecue with poplar generally, right? Mm-hmm. I assume, I don't know anyone who does, right? But poplar, as you know, is a very p- common milled wood for it, the, inside, the interior uh, furniture you know, construction of, of, of the inside of a piece of furniture. So it's it's very popular in the United States to have a lot of wood waste from poplar or from elder or from gum tree, whatever it might be. that so basically you you want to make sure that you're not using wood pellets. That are produced from like filler woods that could also be sold as like a heating pellet that it's not regulated. So you can't really tell unless you really research it. It's very hard to know like what's in the bag because they're, they're not required. We're not required by law to state what is in the bag. We, yeah. we, we do. We do honestly tell you what's in the bag, but that's it's not required because yeah. there's no regulation. Yeah, cuz there was
1: that, that's always been a a question I've seen um and heard in a lot of shows that I've watched and listened to of yeah. when we're talking pellets is, I'll go to my local store and I'll buy a bag of oak pellets. Also I'll buy a bag of cherry pellets. You know, how do you how do you know that it is oak? In, the, in sure. the pellets Obviously you, you get, a, get a log or split You know You can smell it Or you know, even, exactly. the, even a cherry wood yeah. has that Tint yeah. to it You know so you can tell the difference between You know some of the The, the, the smells Right of, of the wood so how would you Do it because like you said there's no regulations But are you just going we're Basically just going by the The label on the back
2: yeah, I mean, if if you do, I think a key thing is is if it's a readily available wood, like let's say oak, it's pretty likely that if they say it's oak, it's oak, yeah, because it's not costly. It's a readily available wood. It's it's constantly you know milled by a variety of sawmills for hardwood floors, you know, whatever it might be. So there's an abundant supply of that. When you get into things like fruit woods, like apple, like let's say you buy a you see a nine dollar bag of apple pellets, you know, on the shelf at I don't know some chain store. It is very likely that in the case of more rare woods like that, where they're very, where they're clearly like cheaply priced, that they're actually filler woods where they use artificial flavoring agents to okay. infuse the flavor. So when you open the bag, you're like, oh, it smells like apple. But when you burn it and there's a chemical reaction involved in the combustion of the pellets, when you burn a flavoring agent, it doesn't really give you the actual flavor. I mean, if it's a natural oil, it might, you know, if it's an extract, and sometimes they do use them. But things like fruit woods, mesquite, all these like more exotic woods, you know, pellets that would be, should be very expensive because they're not as common. It, it is, you know, nine times out of 10, if the bag says apple on it, um, it's, it contains maybe one to 5% apple if that, and the rest is just filler wood with fragrance. So what I would say is that, that if you're buying really cheap, there there is one company on the West coast that again, I don't want to mention any competitors names, but mm-hmm. there's one small mill that does make like natural fruit wood, they are very small, though. You can so the point is, if they're selling it at like a big chain store, it—I it, mean, the, the chances of it, of it actually being what's written on the bag, if it's a more exotic wood, is pretty low because if the price point is that low, it's just not going to—it wouldn't make economic sense for the manufacturer. Yeah.
1: So now, gonna... spe- speaking of the price, sure. You know, you walk into like a, you know, a local hardware store, or or a uh, or a barbecue specialty store. Yep. And you see the the prices of you know brand A, B and C. Mm-hmm. Now you I go right across the street to a, a big box store that has a big orange label on it. How come you can literally see a major at sometimes a major price difference between like a mom and pop store and the big box? Obviously mom and pop they can only afford so much or more space, while the big box stores, uh, in extreme buying in bulk. But why is there such a difference?
2: Well, I'll leave it. I'll put it this way: without, I don't want to, you know, be too mean here. <laughs> but what what I would say is, is you get what you pay for. And if in a world where most mills that were set up were set up to manufacture heating pellets in in the case of hardwood. It's likely, in some cases, that some of these very good deals that these larger stores get from their contract manufacturer or their white label negotiations with individual mills, you might just be seeing essentially heating pellets being bagged as barbecue. And where it's not necessarily that they're bad, it's just that they really might not have the flavor profile that if you're really into barbecuing that you're going to want. Um, I'm not saying that in any way that they're hazardous or that you Mm shouldn't use them, but it's just that it's just really lacking the flavor. And I think you'd see that if you open up a bag of, you know, brand X, we'll call it, you know, big 40 pounder at some big box store that's really cheap. It's that's probably what's going to happen. What I would say is the ones that are considered to be the higher quality, like say the ones that in the orange bag that you see at a particular big box store, those do price out at like $19, $20 a bag for a 20 pound bag. Um so I, I would say probably the retail price range for quality pellets is somewhere between like say sixteen to twenty four dollars a bag. Obviously with inflation it's going up, but that's kind of the range that that where the you you kind of know that those manufacturers they're charging a little higher price for a specific reason yeah um, because there is a quality difference
1: yeah and, and I know you know I can I can name names because he made it very clear when we had him on uh, Joey Machado from mm-hmm. Texas Original charcoal. Okay. And you know, he was before he was with B for a time, he was with Blues Hog for a while, and he is getting away from the um his products in the big box stores because he he really wants to focus on the quality. And he's noticed yeah. with with some other companies um who do with the big box stores, they need to produce so rapidly yes. <laughs> to meet the demand that the box stores are looking for, the quality starts to lack.
2: <laughs> this is the challenge, yeah, because these, any, any bigger manufacturer, they're going to need to engage these distribution channels that are larger, right? like these big chains and stuff, and they're going to have to do it at a lower price, a significantly lower price, and the only way they can do that is by controlling cost and a significant component of you know the variable, not to get too detailed, but the variable cost of production for wood pellets is your raw material. You know you're nice. and and that's it's a big deal. I mean is it is a very big deal. So it's I think it's it is very difficult to scale an operation like this and retain or maintain the quality um in a market. You know, I mean just to to give you an idea, like the barbecue pellet market is probably around a million tons a year already. And it's growing at about eh, maybe like ten percent a year, which is really fast because all the other grill segments are declining like gas grill, propane yeah. and all going down, you know. But but anyway, yeah. So
1: oh nice. Um let's see. Big Rome asks what type pellets create more heat and what pellets give the most flavor
2: well i we, we our approach is create a a natural pellet that is as close to getting to a log in terms of the outcome of the flavor you're getting based on our manufacturing process so again it's the to get the best flavor you want to have really good uh, you want to make sure you're buying pellets that use really good raw materials. And that, and that's hard to know. I mean, you have to test them and you have to understand what they're doing. It's probably not going to be a mass-produced brand. It's just not possible. They just can't do it. Um, and then, I'm sorry, what was the other part of the question? So good flavor and and what else? Um, the other part would have been uh, the most, more heat. Yeah, I mean, the more heat, it's it, it it's tough to say. I, I think you have to reach a certain bulk density that's that's more specific to the heating market you know you test your pellets for durability for bulk density for ash content so you kind of want low at lower ash content like less than half a percent if you can and you want you want to make sure your bulk density is like say 41 pounds or higher and and that will get you more heat now what what happens is is the more dense the biomass and the drier the less smoke is going to go off so this is the one of the negative aspects of using a pellet grill is that if you're like an expert barbecue guy using a stick burner, you're going to be like, wait a minute, I'm only getting like 80% of the smoke over an, on like say a 10 hour brisket cook or 14 hour cook with a brisket. You're going to be like, wait a minute, this is not, it's, it's almost there, but it's not, it doesn't have that extra like bang of smoke that you get from a stick burner. So that's, that's one of the negatives. So it is hard. You get the heat. And, and for example, we tested our pellets in an Uni pizza oven and I got the stone up to 995 degrees Fahrenheit. So our, our pellets are like Chernobyl hot. They're really hot. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was I was just about to ask yeah. you what the hottest temperatures yeah, you've that's... reached with your pellets. Yeah. Oh, Very interesting. Interesting. Now we have uh, Ch- Chapin has a great question. How long does the process take from when the green chips hit the belt to being bagged and ready to ship?
2: Well, I would say... Behind me you see those big bins in the picture those are our storage bins so i would say to go from green chip to get into the storage bin or or to be bagged because it's either going to get stored or bagged takes about maybe 20 minutes cycle so we're you know we're running at, at x number of tons per hour depending on how fast we go but it takes about like maybe 20 minutes to get through the longest wait is in the cooler because you have to use ambient air to cool the pellets, so they kind of sit there with air flowing through them until they reach an ambient temperature, and then they drop onto a screen to then go into the silo. 20 minutes, something like that.
1: Cool, cool. Now, um, obviously the pellet grill has been around for a while, and we know a lot of of professionals um, started with them, you know, um, Pellet Envy, (laughs) <laughs> um, butcher Barbecue, you know, they've been won grand champions, American Royals, right. Jack Daniels using pellet grills, and now they are a, they're a mainstay on the circuit nowadays. Um, <clears throat> did you see, when do you think the real popularity of them came to be? Because sure. forever... There was always the oh the easy bake oven the, well, the you can just throw it on the you know the the set it and forget it and you know yeah. you're not really doing this and I'm guilty as charged because I know some of the boys will go back to finding previous episodes years ago saying no no never 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 eh well <laughs> my tune has changed you know I I still use the stick burners but I got into um, into the uh, pellet grill, the uh, the Green Mountain Grill track. That's a good. Grill. Um, yeah, and I love it. You know, yeah. and I can produce great product with it, and the convenience of it, um, is beyond anything. Yeah, I can sit yeah. there, and I still got to monitor it. You know, do my yeah. my uh, temperature probes and my spritzing mm-hmm. and and all that, but. The time I actually got it and used it for the first time, my wife had an accident with her leg and yeah. couldn't walk for a, a few months. Right. So I was cooking on that and, you know, doing stuff with the kids and the, you know, the, the giant honeydew list. But yet the whole time I'm smoking a couple pork butts out there <laughs> yeah. and not even worrying about it. The t- temperature stays consistent. When do you think that it really became a mainstay in almost a necessity in anybody's barbecue arsenal?
2: Sure. I think that's a really good question. I I think the, I think the original pellet stove was invented in like 1979. The first pellet grill was invented by a guy named Joe Traeger, which is the name of the company. Now, is not in it now, but that's the name where the name came from. I think that was in 1985. So from like 85 to like, say, I don't know, like, 2000 and like 10, it was like, more a West Coast story because it originated out there, so mm-hmm. very prevalent on the West Coast. I'm sure you probably noticed even in Texas. One of we have a dealer down in Texas now that you know sells our product in the northern part of the state, and he he said I, I was just talking to him about it before he ordered from us, and he said he was like, yeah, we you know we like he goes they're very popular even even down here in Texas where you think people would be more traditional with their barbecue techniques, but because of the convenience factor you mentioned, um, so I'd say probably in the early teens here became popular, and then I think what really made it popular was when traeger grills prepared to go public a few years ago mm-hmm. i think it was in 2021 so like 2018 to 2021 that was when the real awareness which you probably noticed quite prevalently that you know that, that was when they really picked up in popularity and that that's when we were building our mill a few years back kind of at the same time so i, I think it's what's interesting is that in the northeast it it's the lowest penetration of pellet grills in the whole country. And I, you know, you know, we're from New England. We're like the land of steady habits over here. Nobody wants to change anything. If, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? So. I think it's it's interesting because we have a different perspective here in in, the, in New England because it's not as common, right? Yeah. Um. But they're gaining popularity. But but to answer your question, short answer is I'd say by the like 2015 they really started to pick up in popularity, and and I think now they're 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 still it's still the fastest growing grill segment despite the overall slowdown in the space, you know, in the economy in general.
1: Yeah, and I also see it as um, oh, how do you want, I want to word it? It um, it's a great gateway into barbecue because, like, you, yeah. like we, we've been saying, it's the simplicity of it. The, you know, you load the hopper, you, you know, set your temperatures, what you're doing, and you can yeah. literally walk away. And now, you can go down to the store or your kid's soccer game and right. run it from you right from your phone now, and, yeah. um, you know that. Jumps in because of, of people's schedules and a, and a lot of things, and, like, and he always he keeps coming back to this now, is the whole lockdown and the whole COVID thing that we saw a lot of an uptick in the sales of pellet grills yeah, and pellet absolutely. smokers. Because people are home going, oh, what the hell do I do? Oh, we got to do some cooking and this and I don't have time to do the fire and you know these pellet grills. A convenience factor, yeah, and you know, has turned a lot of people <laughs> into our industry be- because of that. That oh, I can just do this, and you know, you're not, yeah. you're not managing the fire and everything else that goes on with you know, "quote unquote" traditional. But uh, it is now becoming traditional in many I think so. many yeah, aspects I think it of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I, I think that even carries over onto the commercial side because when I, when I was down at the NBBQA event down in Orlando last month, mm-hmm. the, the big takeaway I got from talking to the guys who actually run a lot of barbecue restaurants all over the country is they were like, well, we like the traditional method, but the economics of the barbecue restaurant business have changed because cost pressures are high, you know, for, for food and everything and for labor. And they're like, you know what? I can hire a pit master to sit for 14 hours on an overnight shift making, you know, brisket. Or I can run pellet smokers in my operation, Mm -hmm. have less permitting issues with – also because the emissions from a stick burner can sometimes – if you're in a city or something, it's going to be a problem or could be. So what we're seeing is not only are consumers at home, to your point, saying, hey, this is a lot easier – and I get a much better result, or a close to what you know, like a really good result. Um, but restaurants are also acknowledging that we have a lot of good restaurant customers, um, you know, in our area, and they're And I think a lot of folks are switching over. It's very convenient, and it gives a consistent flavor outcome and the control, like you were saying, that you you just can't get without a lot of attention, um, and yeah. people just don't have time for it. You know? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's awesome. This has been so uh, so informative. You could do it. I could I could pick your brain for hours. But I Anytime. do want to do some <laughs> Ask question here, sir. Sure. Um, you had just mentioned you had gone down to the uh, NBBQA conference down in Orlando back in, I believe it was February. Yeah, beginning of February. February. Yep. And uh, you left there with a little bit of hardware, sir.
2: Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we got. Oh, yeah, that, got that, <laughs> <laughs> I got tell, my. Tell got us my about Leon's. that. Well, we got our award. We got our we got our first place award of excellence. There you go. I'll put it up on the yeah. screen there. You can see it. And yeah, we got first place in our category, and we we were very excited. There were ni- nice, nice bunch of people down there, and it was really great to meet everybody in the community. Some of our customers were there. I, you know, we met some folks, and it was good. It was a really good experience. We're very happy to participate in that.
1: Yeah. Now, now what 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 category was that? Is there a, was there a strictly a, a pellet category or a barbecue or
2: a- tool? They just barbecue grouped it. tool, yeah. Yeah. So okay. yeah. So we're, we're excited about it. You know, we're, it was nice to to get a little recognition. I think I think they, they really like the flavor. They said, "Oh wow, this does have like a distinctly like natural wood flavor." When you open our bags, it's like you can smell. It's almost like opening like a bag of like wood that's you know not not too overly dried, and which is nice. It gives you a nice natural you know thing there. Nice,
1: so. nice. And um, and I, I I know you're working with teams. Yeah. Um. You know, I know locally uh, Matt Pereira from Matt's yep. Backyard Barbecue and uh, Rico Pasquale, yep, from Q Um. You know, two local guys who do great on the uh, local circuits here.
2: Yep. Um And we're we're also working with the gentleman Chris from Let It Smoke Barbecue in Enfield, Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. And um, he, we're going to be doing a uh, a VFW barbecue in this in the town of Manchester, uh, probably in May or June. That's our that's our thing. We're kind of vet focused, so we want to do from, you know, sponsor some barbecues for people in our, just in our local community as a, a little outreach. So we're doing that. Okay. And, uh, and we're excited to support those teams and help them out a little bit with their, with their pellets. And they seem to really like the flavor as well, which we yeah. we're very grateful that they appreciate that.
1: Yeah. I, when I, I, we had Matt on a few, uh, about a month ago. Okay. And then after that, he was, he was telling me about the, about, uh, your product. That's how I originally oh, okay, okay. heard from you. Then, okay, um, okay. then you reached out you know so it was, it was just perfect timing oh good okay um but um now are you what what stores are you in so you know people local or even are you just not necessarily local either where can people find your products
2: sure we're we're in i believe 10 states now um in uh, in about 55 locations and you can in the in the the New England area. Just go into our store locator here. You can if you look us up on ManchesterWoodPellets.com. You, we have a store locator with every place in the country. But um, we've got up in your neck of the woods. I got a location in at the Fireplace in Watley, Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Papa's Hardware in Shrewsbury and the Stove Place in Shrewsbury. And then in Gloucester, Mass, a little closer to you, I guess. Foster's Grill Store, maybe you've heard of those guys. Yes, probably Foster's, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, they 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 like our product. They've been carrying that. So those, and then we have we're on Breakaway out on the Cape, um, Modern Propane in New Jersey, bunch of Ace Hardware stores, uh, mostly in our state where we kind of started out. Uh, and then we got some folks. We have Lancaster Barbecue Supply out in Pennsylvania. Good people, really good team, uh, barbecue team themselves. And we're out in Illinois at a new place called blue smoke barbecue and Buffalo, Florida, white Oak barbecue supply and a place in uh, McKinney, Texas, which is like North of, I think Dallas. Yep. Yep. uh, There you go. Rome McKinney, right down the road. Yeah, we're in a place called Chard Grill and Outdoor. They're a newer shop. They have two locations there. So yeah, so we're we're basically just following the strategy of like to your point before about some people don't really find it interesting to be in a big box venue. We're not a giant company that can manufacture enough product to be like nationally distributed in some big store, nor do we want to be. We're a specialty product that's priced basically at the same price point as our competitors, but more or less, some are cheaper, some are more, but we think our product is you know has better flavor.
1: Oh, so. awesome, awesome, Scott man. We are up. Ag- unfortunately, we we're up against it. But um, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I appreciate you the time you took. This is there's been a ton of information, <laughs> you know, okay. put in this. Uh, where can everybody find you social media wise? And also, I know you just gave the website out, but sure.
2: It's uh Manchester, barbecue pellets.com, Manchester, wood They can look us up out we have, if they type them in on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, you know, we're kind of in all the main, the main spots there. Um, and I, I can, sh- I'll, I can forward you the, the social media links Okay, um, for later, but, uh, Perfect. Yeah, but, but absolutely. But thanks so much for, for having me on. I appreciate your, your, you're doing that. Oh
1: man, I appreciate it. And we'll, we'll definitely do this again. And like I said, if you come out with any yeah. anything more, anything Hit sure. me, hit me up. We'll schedule something out for any new releases, okay. things, things of that nature. But uh, hang on yeah. right there. I'll jump right back in you, back in with you. I just got to close this out. Okay. Awesome, Chrissy. Awesome. So much information. The the that, the whole the whole pellet world has come. And like I said, you know, kind of, you know, not necessarily joking, but you can go back into previous early episodes. A few years back, and go, No, I'm traditional. No way, never, no, uh uh-uh.
0: Even I've heard it T- since I've been producing for you. Until I, like, I finally is- got
1: my hands on one. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, yeah. I get it now. Yeah. I get it. And you still mm-hmm. can produce a great product this is with what I keep it, hearing. with, you know, a no, quarter I, of the work.
0: I think it was good to educate everyone a little more on that so that, oh, for might, sure. The, the, the more, no offense, closed minded uh, barbecue peoples might, uh, be curious now to give it a shot. Oh, for sure. What could it hurt? Hell yeah.
1: Come on. Oh, it's good to be back, kiddo. It's good to be back. It's good to be home. <laughs> for sure. Um, what do we got ne- coming down the pipeline? Next week. Oh. What do we got? Next week is going to be a very special episode. <coughs> Excuse me. Jen Lee is joining me. Ooh. And um, she... Uh, runs the Danny Dietz Memorial Cookoff Classic. Awesome. Out of Texas, in that is in remembrance of Danny Dietz, yep. who was a a Navy Seal who um, lost his life in um, the movie Lone Survivor.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, yes. okay. He
1: was yeah. one of the yeah, one okay. of the four. They, there were four seals yeah. ambushed. Three of them perished. Danny was one of those, and they've done an incredible Hi. job. Uh, I know Rob Rocha from Bullhorn Barbecue says tells me this is a must cook, and a, a lot of the Texas guys make sure they clear their calendar for this event every year. Uh, really special event, and we'll get into um, that in the other events, uh, Jen. Um, Runs. I was able. To, I met up with Jen when I was in Houston. Awesome. Great person. Funny story on how we actually crossed paths down there, but we'll, we'll get into that next week. Tune in next
0: week to hear but about it.
1: Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That's it for this week. Uh, catch the audio wherever podcasts are found catch the video on Facebook and YouTube YouTube, hit that subscribe button notification bell you have all the episodes right at your fingertips find it, all the social media links down below questions and comments please send it to podcast at gmail.com and like always subscribe, like, rate, and review hit that share button and until next week keep the smoke rolling